2: Attention, nerds! If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Riley and Kimmy Show.
0: The Riley
2: and Kimmy Show.
3: And welcome to this Monday episode. That's 1,143. If you're listening to the day it's uploaded. Right next to me is Janet. I got one name, Janet. Hello, everybody.
4: Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs>
3: hi there i am your host patrick riley
4: quite a good scene isn't it one man crazy three very sane spectators
3: uh, yes they are sane and two of them are uh, fur kids that's right two of the fur kids right behind me on their dog bed and right next to me is the other sane person and that is kimmy hello kimmy welcome to a monday hello and how are you I'm doing fine. That's good. You ready to kick off the week and have some fun, nerd fun all this week? Yes, I am. Oh, that is great. Um, by the way, before sitting down for 1143 I turned you loose in the entertainment room with the DVR and you did the old uh, Super Bowl thing, uh, watching it uh, at your speed. Uh, what was your favorite part of what you watched?
0: Well, the
3: halftime show. Okay, so Lady Gaga was a favorite of yours.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you just love that.
0: I think she's an incredible performer. She's a great entertainer. She's got a lot of talent, and I I thought it was very entertaining. Okay. Yes.
3: All right. That's Kimmy's uh, quick review there. Mm-hmm. Although that's all that mattered really for the Super Bowl for you. That's pretty much it. How about movie uh, trailers? I know in previous years you've been really excited to you know record or. Uh, have me record the the Super Bowl to watch the movie trailers and stuff that were coming out or teasing new TV shows and things. Was there any of that as a highlight for you or not, or did you just not care?
0: Well, there was a couple of really short John Wick trailers, but um, other than that,
3: I oh, mean... that's where you're a big fan of John Wick. Oh, yeah. And John Wick is coming out this Friday nationwide, and I have a feeling John Wick Two that is you will be going to John Wick Two. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe even if it shows Thursday. I don't know if it will be showing Thursday as early as Thursday at some key locations. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling Kimmy will be seeing that as soon as she can and we'll have a review of John Wick number two, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Now, something else is going to be happening this week. Uh, on Saturday, the Riley and Kimmy show will be on the road again. On
1: the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again
3: music with my friends. I can't wait to get the road again. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy Show is going on the road. That is this Saturday. That is February 11th. We will be in Orlando, Florida at a brand new collectible and toy comic book store. Kimmy and I had the privilege on Sunday to spend some time in this brand new store. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Now, we can't reveal where the location is. All I can say is it is in Orlando at the moment. And everything is going to come, you know, the curtain's going to be pulled back, if you will. I'll be revealing everything on our Facebook page to find out more. But I can say this. This Saturday is when the grand opening of this brand new comic book collectible toy store in Orlando happens. And... 11 o'clock is when we will be there for that big grand opening. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to see you there. Now, if you're vacationing in Florida, in Orlando, and you maybe know somebody who is, maybe you're not, uh, this is very, and I mean extremely close to all the attractions. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Extremely close. More details, the exact location, all of that in an upcoming episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. But first place, we will reveal things Share things will be on our Facebook page. And you can find links to our Facebook page right on our website. And what is our web address, Kimmy? Rileyandkimmy.com. That's right. Rileyandkimmy.com. We would really love to see you this Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have heard there's going to be opportunities to win things, too. They're going to be giving away oh, things. Oh, yes. yes. Did I hear correctly? hmm Absolutely. No, even if they don't do that. I think we might bring some things on. We have got some stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll you know, yeah. just in case. But I'm pretty sure I, I mean, we were we were around both owners. Uh, mm-hmm. we kind of heard that, right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure there. More details coming up real soon. I guarantee that on an upcoming episode of the Riley and Kimmy show and definitely on our Facebook page, links right on our website at rileyandkimmy.com. While you're at our website and or Facebook page, please help out the Riley and Kimmy show and vote for us for best podcast in the Spacey Awards. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy show is up for best podcast blog, uh, all that kind of thing that can kind of throw them together in the Spacey Awards. We have been nominated and we need your help. I mean, we really do. A time is running out because coming up on next Monday, that is when the voting comes to an end. So you still have an opportunity to vote for us and to share it with friends, too, to encourage them to vote for the Riley and Kimmy show as the best podcast. By the way, we are a nerd-variety talk show podcast. We offer pop culture escapism daily, right, Kimmy? That's right, every day. Every single day, a brand new episode to uh, allow you to escape from the world for a moment or two. And we offer trivia, nostalgia, retro things. We talk about all forms of pop culture, not just comic books or, let's say, a certain TV show. Uh, We'll just give, give us an example we don't just talk about Battlestar Galactica
2: mm-hmm. or
3: Lost in Space. Right. We, we we do talk about Lost in Space sometimes. We do talk about Battlestar Galactica. The whole right. show does not revolve around those. Right. We we grab everything that just, you know, whatever is in our, you know, nerd mind at the moment. Mm-hmm. We make it part of this show. And we try to make it fun. And that's the key. Fun for everyone. All ages. Not Not um, just an adult kind of show. That's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you you don't have to worry about little kids uh, listening. Right. Things like that. Mm -hmm. So you can listen to us going to work, taking somebody to school, just to escape for a little while. Uh, That's what we're all about. So please give us a vote for the Spacey Awards and help Kimmy out. That's right. Win it for Kimmy because she has never won anything as an adult. Uh, Last time was when you were a kid, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Except for her occasional can of spam here on the show. Well, of
3: course, that's right. And, <laughs> and, and me, you won me, of course. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> don't you call me the booby prize. Yes, you actually, you actually, yeah, yeah you got me. Um, help Kimmy win. And by the way, hashtag win it for Kimmy uh, was created by one of our loyal listeners. And we actually have a big thank you going out to him. And that is Mike Kales of Mike's Dead Formats, a good friend to the Riley and Kimmy show. And also a, uh, a very knowledgeable collector in the world of toys and vintage things like that, mm-hmm. uh, really into pop pop culture. And based in Palm Coast, Florida, he uh, has been uh, helping uh, get the word out to vote for the Riley and Kimmy Show. And Sean. a big thank you going out to Mike. Thank you, Mike. Yes. And thank you to all of those who have voted for us. It's really simple to vote. You can find a a ballot, if you will, right on our website. It's pinned right at the top at RileyAndKimmy.com. Also right at the top of our Facebook page. Now, the key thing is don't like the Facebook post. You have to actually click by our name. Correct, Kimmy?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just click on the box or the bubble next to our name and that's it. It's
3: that easy. Yes. Right to the... Well, it's actually to the left of our name. Right. Click on that. Just takes a second. Yes. And... All we ask is that you do that and share with some friends and tell them, hey, uh, you know, be sure to click on the name thing and all that too. Mm-hmm. And if they can share with a couple of friends, that would be great. That's all we ask. Thank you for for uh, your support and thank you for your vote if you've already voted and for your future vote. And let's let's win this for Kimmy. Remember that hashtag, win it for Kimmy. <laughs> Kimmy, are you ready on this Monday to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia?
0: Yes, I am.
3: It is a Monday, February 6th. We're going to be asking uh, Kimmy some questions from the pop culture trivia world. Now, the timeline has been jumbled up, meaning it is not in linear Order, not in chronological order, it's all over the place, or like an episode of Quantum Leap. And if you'd like to shout out those answers to Kimmy, because we do believe in time travel answers, we think there's a time vortex that happens right through to her ears. To the future, you who are listening, so feel free to yell at your laptop, tablet, whatever type of computing device you're listening to The Riley and Kimmy Show on, because we are mobile and global and maybe you have that old uh, desktop, who who knows, whatever it is, feel free to shout it out at Kimmy. And here we go, Kimmy. If you are ready, are you ready for the very first question with nerd and pop culture geek trivia? Yes, I am. All right. On this day, Kimmy, give me the year within one. Plus or minus of one. Jay Leno ends his time on The Tonight Show.
0: Mm.
3: You have a one-year.
0: 2012?
3: It was 2014. Oh. Moving to something else that happened on this date in history, Kimmy. It was on this date, Monopoly, the board game, goes on sale for the very first time across the United States. Now, the question for you within five years, when did Monopoly, the board game, Go on sale for the first time.
0: 1934.
3: Interesting. Kimmy is there within five. Matter of fact, you got it very close. 1935 is when that happened. Kind of cool. Uh-huh. Way to go. Why, thank you. Maybe we'll have to play a game of Monopoly.
0: Yeah, maybe.
3: You don't like Monopoly? <laughs> I thought you liked <laughs> yes, Monopoly. I do. Well, then maybe we should play that. But, hey, we could... Uh, what? What?
0: Yeah.
3: What? What? What say it? What don't restrict yourself on the Riley and Kimmy show. There's no censors uh, here.
0: Oh well. Well, what? Maybe with another opponent.
3: What? What do you mean by that?
0: You're not a very good winner. Well, that's not or... true.
3: <laughs> you know, I was thinking maybe at our upcoming appearance or something that we could do that. To, you know, have a monopoly game going in honor of the uh, release of Monopoly. Mm. You know, I have a vintage Monopoly game, one of those retro ones that looks like the original game, but really close. Uh-huh. By the way, did you know that they're thinking about getting rid of some of the tokens? No. And doing new tokens. mm They want emojis, possibly, as the new tokens. Oh. And they had a voting thing. It's closed. They haven't released what happened. Now, would you like them to keep the original tokens or replace maybe a couple of the original tokens?
0: Well, I mean, they have so many different versions of Monopoly.
3: Let's say Why the... can't
0: they have the original and... If, they, if people want the emojis, they can buy the emoji version.
3: Well, I think they're going right? to do that. They're, they're probably going to do that. I think they're offering the emoji version as well. All the, yeah. I think they have 60 different ones or something like 55 or 60 different tokens that, that you can choose from, including the original ones. I want them to keep the hat. I want that top hat to stay in there. Oh. Top hat's my favorite.
0: Okay.
3: I want that race car to stay there. Shoe can go. Oh. Uh. What was the other one? Wheelbarrow. Eh. Yeah. I want the dog to stay. So, the dog just got to stay.
0: I had like one of the really, really old Monopoly games where they had the wooden, the wooden, um, just the little markers that weren't. Really? Yeah.
3: Are you sure somebody didn't just switch something and put those in there that you weren't missing the the tokens? I didn't know they had that. I knew they had the original houses and the hotels were wooden.
0: Mm-hmm. I
3: didn't know the, the yeah. tokens were originally wooden. They were
0: well. originally wooden and they were different shapes but they were they were basically just um they weren't in the shape of anything
3: okay so you had like a a blue token or green or mm-hmm. red or black or whatever okay or yep. white all right okay monopoly i i would have thought you would said keep that that dog token mm, well of course You gotta keep that dog mm-hmm. i don't know if they have a cat token now or not you gotta throw that in there too probably be nice Moving back to the almanac, it was on this day, Kimmy, 1918, British women over the age of 30 get the right to vote. You had to be 30 or above. Oh, What do you think about that? Do you think it should be that way here? Do you think, uh, I'm not talking about females, do you think every male, female, you think you should be 30 and above to be able to vote, or <sighs> is it okay to be 21 and... Or 18, oh, actually. To wow, vote. I don't know. You think they should? Yeah. Could you imagine trying to propose that one? I, I, Kimmy, you think everybody should be 30 who could only vote? <laughs> yeah, that would go really well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Moving back to the, the almanac, and let's see. Just after uh, Super Bowl, I guess we can talk about football here. It was on this date, 1926. The NFL adopted a rule that made players ineligible for competition until their college class graduated. I don't know when they got rid of that, but that was 1926 when that was in effect. Hmm. It was on this day, 1932, dog sled racing happened for the first time in Olympic competition. I do not pay attention to Winter Olympics. Do they have that at all now? I've never seen it or heard it. Not that
0: I'm aware of.
3: I I would think, number one, that'd be like a a mess to coordinate.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: On this day, 1933, the 20th Amendment of the Constitution was declared in effect, Kimmy. The amendment moved the start of presidential, vice-presidential, and congressional terms from this month to January. What month was it moved from to January?
0: Um, October.
3: March. Okay. To January, that was in nineteen thirty-three. It was on this date the first radio-controlled airplane is flown successfully. What year did that happen? You have a five-year buffer.
0: <sighs> radio-controlled airplane.
3: Yes, that's right. Radio-controlled airplane.
0: Small radio, like
3: a. I don't have its dimensions. <laughs> it could it could have been a large-sized actually or larger. Ninety. I am not even going to ding you on that one because you weren't thinking about this one. I know you were radio controlled airplane.
0: Oh, oh. Um. 1925.
3: Well, at least that's better. 1948 is when that that happened. The okay. first one. Was on this day, Kimmy, in 1950 something, in the golden age of radio, actually the the towards the end of the golden age of radio, NBC Radio debuted "Dangerous Assignment."
2: The National Broadcasting Company brings you Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell in "Dangerous Assignment." seen him in such pictures as Canyon Passage, American Romance, and The Great McGinty. Now, here is our star, Brian Donlevy, and another two-fisted portrayal as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment.
3: Yes, Dangerous Assignment, uh, an example from the golden age of radio, sort of like a spy. It's actually a spy, you know show that ran. It's not the strongest of the golden age of radio examples. As a matter of fact, the spy thing had kind of fallen out of favor by this time period. It wouldn't be till 1952, right about that part, when the first James Bond novels come out. That causes uh, the interest to go back into the world of spies, Kimmy. Mm. So, dangerous assignment, 1950 from the golden age of radio on this date in history. It was 1952 Britain's King George the VI dies, Kimmy. His daughter... Takes over the reign, the throne. Tell me who that is. Queen Elizabeth? That's correct. Elizabeth II takes over. That is 1952. It's on this date, something that matters to the world of computers, games, and everything. It affects today, something that happened. It was 1959. Jack Kilby of Texas Instrument files for the first patent for the integrated circuit. Yes, the the IC chip. That was in 1959. You know, goodbye tubes and all those things eventually. Uh, we, we owe him. That was in 1959. It was on this date, 1971. Kimmy, there was golfing on the surface of the moon. Somebody was using the surface of the moon as a, a mini putt-putt golf course. Can you tell me the name of the astronaut who snuck a six iron onto the spaceship without anybody knowing? And he on national TV or on worldwide TV, global television decided to take a swing at three golf balls on the surface of the moon.
0: Was that Lovell?
3: No, it was not. It's the person after Lovell whose Lovell did not make it to the moon. Remember that? Lovell was in Apollo 13. Oh, gosh, yeah. He did not make it. This is the person who could have went in Apollo 13 and chose not to bump Lovell. You know him. He was uh, part of the Mercury Astronaut. Crew. He was tougher than nails. They used to have his picture when he was part. Slayton. Par- nah, he was Deke Deke Slayton's buddy, and worked with Deke Slayton as his assistant over the over the astronauts for choosing assignments for Gemini and Apollo. He was grounded because he had a a health problem with his ear, and they wouldn't let him go until he got this fixed. And he eventually did get it fixed, and he could go back up in into space. Uh, this person was so grumpy at times. His receptionist at NASA would put up a happy face if he was okay to come in and talk to him. Or if he was in a bad mood, she put the unhappy face of him, a picture of him, on the door. So people knew what they were getting. Can you tell me who he is? No. Now, he and Deke Slayton, by the way, wrote an excellent book about the early years of uh, of NASA and also the, the moon mission. His name was Alan B. Shepard. Ah. That's who did it. And you've seen his Corvette, which is out at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, mm-hmm. They have his, his Corvette right there in the uh, uh, Apollo... A complex the saturn 5 complex they have it right there you can check that out we have video i think of that somewhere on our facebook page that was 1971 he 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 did that he mm-hmm. actually snuck that thing every source i've read he actually nobody knew he did that mm-hmm. he did that i think that's pretty cool mm-hmm. you know? it was on this date <laughs> give me the year kimmy when would this have caused problems are you ready mm-hmm. i know you don't know about this one i don't think very many people do but over A half a million pieces of hate mail, or irate mail, was received at CBS Television's mailroom when word leaked out that an edited-for-television version of an X-rated movie called The Demand would be shown. Now, what year would this happen, that they would run this movie, and number two, that there would be an outcry of a half million pieces of mail? You get a five-year buffer when this happened.
0: Wow. I have no idea. Um,
3: 19- I, I'll, I'll be fair here with you. Was it the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s? 1970s. You got it. It was
0: 1972
3: when that happened. Okay. I don't... I've never heard anything about that before. Mm-mm. Have you? No. This song hits number one on the pop chart on this date in history. Kimmy, tell me the year within one. You get a one plus or minus. Tell me the name of the song and tell me the name of the recording artist group that did it. You get like five seconds, maybe seven seconds here. It's definitely under ten seconds to identify that hit.
5: Does she, walk? Does she, pop? Does she come complete? My home, home.
3: All right, Kimmy, tell me the name of the song.
0: Um, centerfold That
3: is correct, and By tell me, Jay Giles <laughs> band. Yeah, that that's right. And the year within one, plus or minus. Eighty two. Exactly right. Nineteen eighty two hits number one on the pop chart. Do you have that in your vinyl collection? Mm, yes, I do. Ooh, so do you have the whole album? Mm-hmm. That's one with the other. Top hit, which was uh, Freeze Frame, right? Mm-hmm. And let's see, it has Rage in the Cage and Flame Floor and all that on there, right?
0: Uh-huh.
3: All right, it was on this date, Kimmy, in 1987. He declares his candidacy for mayor of Palm Springs, California. He used to perform with Cher. Who is he? Sonny Bono. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was on this date in 1990. Billy Idol breaks several bones in a serious motorcycle accident. Now, this causes a problem. As a result, he could not appear in Oliver Stone's The Doors movie in a major role. Oh? Yes, that was 1990. Hmm. It was on this date Washington National Airport was renamed for President Ronald Reagan with the signing of a bill by what president, Kimmy? Who signed that to make it happen? Um, George Bush? No. Bill Clinton. That's correct. President Clinton did that in 1998. It was on this date 1999. Excerpts of former White House intern... Tell me who it is. Her videotape testimony was shown at President Clinton's impeachment trial. Who is she? Monica Lewinsky. That's right. It was on this date, 2002. This recording artist released this song, or her people did, for radio airplay. Tell me the name of the recording artist and tell me the name of the song. Bonus points if you can tell me the name of the song, actually. Uh, But tell me the name of the recording artist. Here you go. 2002, it was released to radio stations. Tell me the name of the recording artist. Celine Dion. Yes. Now, bonus points. Can you tell me the name of that single? No, I can't. A new day has come. Moving over to notable birthdays today, Kimmy. Aaron Burr, born 1756, died 1836 at the age of 80. I am not going to ask you what he is known for, but we will spotlight him here just for a second because people today, meaning now, 2017, in the past few years, think that politics are nasty, and especially in the United States. And we hear complaints about that even today, correct? hmm Well, Aaron Burr tells you, or the story of, that politics were nasty back then. He was the third vice president of the United States. Now, imagine this happening today as third vice president of the United States... The reason he is famous, he is famous for killing then-former Secretary of Treasury, and most historians say would probably be president one day, Alexander Hamilton, in a pistol duel. He was vice president when this happened. Hmm. He was vice president for Thomas Jefferson. Now, some historical events around him to give you an idea just how... Politically charged things were back then. It, you know, they people think today things were, you know, kind of, you know. Well, back then they were as well. In 1801, United States House of Representatives break an Electoral College tie. Now, because of that tie, they choose Thomas Jefferson as president over Aaron Burr. That is in 1801. Hmm. In 1804, July 11th, 1804, Vice President of the United States Aaron Burr mortally wounds Former Secretary of Treasury Alexander Hamilton in a pistol duel on July 12th of that year. The former United States Secretary of Treasury Alexander Hamilton dies. And let's see, in 1807, Vice President Aaron Burr is arrested in Alabama for treason. He is later acquitted in 1807 of, let's see, March of 1807. He is tried for treason again in Richmond, Virginia, and acquitted. And then in 1807, September of 1807, he is acquitted of charges of plotting to set up an empire. After he kills Hamilton, he went on a run for a while and tried to set up his own government here. And he oh. was being chased for a period of time. being you know. And this was all going on. I mean, can you imagine that happening today is my point. Hmm. Yeah. So there was, you know, there was political nastiness way back when. Moving to another person having a birthday today. Kimmy, see if you can identify who this person is. They are known for the world of baseball. I will tell you when they were born, 1895. Died in 1948 at the young age of 53. He began his Major League Baseball career as a stellar left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, but achieved his greatest fame as a slugging outfielder for the New York Yankees. He is regarded as one of the greatest sports heroes in American culture and is considered by many to be the greatest baseball player of all time. In 1936, he was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame as one of the first five members. Tell me who this mystery birthday person is, Kimmy.
0: Babe Ruth?
3: That is correct. One of the interesting things about him is as well as you know he passed away of cancer he did he was never told he had cancer wow and he was receiving some very early experimental uh chemotherapy treatment that showed some some progress for a bit He went into like a remission uh but he deteriorated uh rapidly uh after it you know it left him and he figured it out uh they didn't tell him because family members didn't want him to know because they figured that he might Take his own life, mm. and he he was not told of that. Now, the Baby Ruth candy bar, Kimmy, have you ever had that? No. Now, the Baby Ruth candy bar, some people think is named after Babe Ruth. Well, the company, the original company that marketed the Baby Ruth candy bar, said no, no, no. They maintained that the candy bar was named after Ruth Cleveland, daughter of the former president of the United States, Grover Cleveland. Now, she passed away in 1904. But the candy bar was first marketed in 1921 at the height of the craze over Babe Ruth. But there, mm-hmm. that, that was just a coincidence, oh. they, they said. Yeah, Babe, Babe Ruth, born on this date in 1895. This person born 1911, Kimmy. Tell me who it is. This is easy. 40th president of the United States and the oldest United States president in history when he is elected who is he?
0: Ronald Reagan.
3: That's correct. Tell me what year he passed away within, don't look at me with horror here, within five.
0: Um, 2000?
3: Within five, you got it. It was 2004. He passed away at the age of 93. Moving to somebody else on this uh, birthday list, Zsa Zsa Gabor, born on this date. Tell me... How old she was when she passed away, Kimmy? 93. Um, she was 99. She passed away 2016, born in 1919. Rip Torn, American actor, voice artist, and comedian, having a birthday, age 86. This person having a birthday today, Kimmy, an American actor best known for one role on television. Tell me the TV show he is known for and... I will give you the name of the character he played. You tell me who he is, okay? Mm -hmm. Here is the TV theme. MASH. Okay, MASH is the answer. He's known for his role on MASH... He did, by the way, produce a movie called Patch Adams. that starred uh, whom? Robin Williams. That's right. Okay, now this person, known for the role on MASH, he played the role of Captain B.J. Honeycutt on MASH. Who is he? I don't know. Wow, didn't even give it a shot. Mike Farrell, having a birthday today. How old is Mike Farrell? I know you know who he is. Because you see M.A.S.H. many times a week when you walk into the room where some of the fur kids have me TV on. So tell me, how old Mike Farrell, Hawkeye Pierce's buddy, is today? 75? You got it within the five. He's 78 today. Tell me who this birthday person is and how old he is. He had the five plus or minus. Best known as anchor of NBC Nightly News from 1982 till 2004. Who is he? Tom Brokaw. That's correct. How old is Tom Brokaw today? Mm, 80. He's 77. You got it within the five. Known as Fabian, that is the name he went by, his full name was Fabian Forte, having a birthday today, he is 74, he's an American singer and actor, rose to national prominence after performing several times on American Bandstand, he became a teen idol of the late 1950s and very early 1960s, 11 of his songs reached the Billboard Hot 100 listing, I bet you don't have one of his uh, works on -hmm. vinyl, all right, Moving back to the birthday list, Bob Marley, born on this date in 1945, died 1981 in Miami. At the age of 36, he is considered one of the most influential musicians of all time. Tell me who this person is having a birthday today, Kimmy. In the 1990s, she re-recorded standards by her father, resulting in her biggest success, Unforgettable with Love, which sold over 7 million copies and also won her seven Grammy Awards. She sold over 30 million records worldwide. Who is it? Natalie Cole. That's right. And can you tell me what year she passed within five?
0: um 2014
3: you got it 2015 she died at the age of 65 tell me who this is this birthday person how old he is you have the five plus or minus he is the lead vocalist of the band guns N' roses a position he has held since its inception in 1985 who is he
0: axel rose
3: and how old is axel today uh 50 axel is 55 today Next person having a birthday had a huge hit song, Kimmy, in 1987. It was number one hit in 25 countries. Tell me who this mystery person is that's having a birthday today and how old he is within five. just watching his video taught you so many dance moves. Yes, they did. And tell me tell me who that is and how old he is. That's Rick Astley. That's right, Rick Astley having a birthday today. How old is Rick Astley who retired from performance? How old is how old is he today?
0: Uh 54?
3: He is 51 today. You got it right. And that song was never gonna give you up. Do you have that in your single collection? No. Interesting. I played that a lot at a At radio stations, especially one at that time period where I was doing a morning show. So, we heard a lot of never going to give you up. I had a have a a friend who looks exactly like him or pretty close and he would dance like that. I was like, don't do that. It's kind of creepy. Moving over to another section of the almanac today. I see dead people. over to celebrity and notable deaths. It was on this date, 1991. Danny Thomas died at the age of 71. Started in a long-running TV sitcom called Make Room for Daddy, also known as the Danny Thomas Show from 1953 to 1964. He was the founder of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Also really known for, and making some of the greatest TV shows possible, producer of the Dick Van Dyke Show, the Andy Griffith Show, and the Mod Squad. Now, Thomas was responsible for Mary Tyler Moore's first big break in acting. In 1961, Carl Reiner cast her in the Dick Van Dyke Show. But that was only after Thomas personally recommended Moore. He had remembered her as the girl with three names whom he had turned down earlier but rediscovered her after a lengthy search through photos. Isn't that kind of cool? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So on this date, 1993. Arthur Ashe passed away at the age of 49. Kimmy, tell me what sport he is known for. Tennis. That's correct. He's an American world number one professional tennis player. He won three Grand Slam titles. Ash was the first black player selected to the United States Davis Cup team and the only black man ever to win the singles title at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. He retired in 1980. You will be yelled at if you miss this one. Listen carefully, Kimmy. It was on this date 1994. This person passed away. Comic book artist. He dies at the age of 76. He worked with both of the industry's main publishers, Marvel and DC, and was responsible for the creation of many of the best-known characters, including Captain America, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, X-Men, and...
2: Banners, inside, and array, turned into the Hulk.
3: Kimmy answer carefully. This is the artist. Many people refer to somebody else as an artist as a great artist, but he worked with this other person, but who is the artist, the creative genius who did so much work for Marvel and DC? Jack Kirby. That is correct. Jack Kirby, 1994 that he passed away. And I have had an honor. Um, Somebody here in Orlando has original Jack Kirby art Mm. and he invited me over to his home. Uh, we have video, I think, available still on our website. You can find it. I think it's labeled right as uh, Jack Kirby Art. Uh, he allowed me to see the the original pages uh, that Jack Kirby did, including cover art. And beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous. It was, it, it was stunning to actually see that and, mm. and hold that. Um, I wish some of my artist friends who, you know, they have skills I don't have, could actually have seen that. They, mm. they might have really appreciated it even more, but you know, for me it almost brought me to tears to see that. Kimmy, I think you did a great job on this Monday with Nerd and Geek Pop Culture Trivia. I think what we'll do right now is honor something from Trivia today. Radio, watch me. And that's Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we can go back in time to the golden age of radio and honor it, we take that opportunity. Now, what we're doing right now is because it's Ronald Reagan's birthday, I thought it'd be interesting to go back in time to the golden age of radio because, yes, he spent a lot of time on radio and being an actor, he did film work, television work, too, but he did a lot of radio work and he would polish his skills in the world of radio with public speaking and stuff that would serve him well in later life in politics. But you don't maybe necessarily associate with him with mysteries or thrillers and things like that. Some will think, well, you know, I know him some Western he did or that movie with the chimpanzee. We have a couple examples here, which aren't the typical things you think of Ronald Reagan with. We have two thrillers that he did in the golden age of radio, mystery suspense episodes. We have Ronald Reagan in One, A One's a Lonesome. That's a nice title from 1950. And a really interesting piece called Circumstantial Terror in 1954. Both are excellent examples of the theater of the mind. Here we go back in time in honor of Ronald Reagan's birthday with two examples of his golden age of radio work uninterrupted, both back-to-back, here on the Riley and Kimmy Show.
6: My name's George, George Belloc. Right now I'm on a trip. Not alone. No, I've got company. She's a few days behind me, but we're getting off at the same stop. Her name's Marie, but don't let that tag fool you. She's as U.S. as the American League. I haven't seen her since yesterday, and I don't know what she's wearing. But five will get you ten. The outfit's silk and covers her body like a cellophane wrapper. I met her about two weeks ago, right after she married the guy I work for, Henry Grover. He owns a lumberyard just outside of town. He'd been working hard and figured he was ripe for a vacation. He hired me to manage the place while he was away. I put him on a train one night, didn't hear from him for two months. I was sorry to hear from him then. I'd put a few improvements in, and the take was making me forget I ever had any money troubles. I got a postcard saying he'd met a nice babe and married her. I tossed off a couple of drinks in honor of the occasion and relaxed. I figured she'd talk him into staying in the city, and I could buy the shop. That was before I met her. I've never been so wrong.
1: George! Welcome home, Henry. Uh,
5: Good to see you again,
1: boy. Well, here she is. Marie, this is George Bellick. George has been managing the office for me.
5: Hello, manager.
1: Hi. Here, Henry, let me help you with those bags.
5: Oh, thanks. (laughs) How's business?
1: I've told Marie all about the place and some of the things I got in mind. Pretty good. Guess you'll be building that new house now, huh, Henry? Oh, not this year. Thinking about painting the old one, though.
5: I have a few ideas, too, you know.
1: (laughs) And pretty good ones too. I wouldn't be surprised if the place didn't pick up and make some money.
6: I wouldn't be surprised.
5: I uh, don't suppose you'll be staying on now Henry's back, will you, George?
6: Oh, uh, well, of course he'll be staying. I don't know. I haven't thought much about it.
5: Lumber yard doesn't need three managers.
6: Well, Maria. Does it
1: need no. two?
5: When two is one, that's different.
1: That's right, George. One and one makes one, you know. <laughs> yeah.
5: That's when three's a crowd. <laughs> You. Come on in. Want some coffee?
6: Yeah. Thanks.
5: Thought you were with Henry.
6: He's over in the warehouse. Alone? Yeah.
5: I don't think you're glad to see us, George.
6: Why should I be?
5: My name's on your check.
6: Your husband's name. Listen, uh, tell me something, will you? Like what? Like how come you two got married? Love. It hits you fast. Sometimes. Planning to be with him long? No. It's a top-heavy contest, and he's outclassed. That's nothing to me.
5: That's good.
6: How'd you happen to bring him back here? Why didn't you keep him at home?
5: I felt like a change.
6: He'd bail you out?
5: Yeah. Out of a dance hall.
6: I suppose you just sold the tickets.
5: Not exactly.
6: Okay. Okay. Okay, slave to queen. How's it feel?
5: Let me ask you one. What are you going to do for a job now?
6: Manage this lumber business?
5: No, you're not.
6: You don't own it.
5: Don't believe everything you read on a piece of paper. I own it. And there's no room for you.
6: You know, your new husband's in for a kind of a surprise.
5: What kind of a surprise?
6: I mean, when he hits the warehouse. What about it? There's a room over in the back part. One of the walls is holding up a row of slot machines. A couple of tables on the floor that weren't made for checkers. Gambling? That's right.
5: Henry didn't mention that.
6: That's the surprise.
5: Well, I guess I don't have to worry any about getting rid of you. Henry will take care of that. You think so? How's business in the back room?
6: Like a girly show on Iwo Jima. Where's the money? In the bank. Your bank? My bank.
1: Uh, George, uh, can I see you a minute? Sure, Henry.
5: Come on in here, why don't you?
1: Well, uh, I'd rather handle this alone, honey, if you don't mind.
5: Come on, George. Oh, you told me I could help you. Now, something's come up and you're shutting me out of it.
1: This has nothing to do with that. This is uh, something new.
6: You may as well let her in on it. She knows all about it anyway. You told her? Sure. I figured I was telling the manager. One and one makes one, remember?
1: George, I left you to run a lumberyard. I didn't want any improvements. Especially I didn't want any improvements like I just saw over there. Dice tables, slot machines, I don't know what all. I don't see how you moved it all in two months.
6: Two days. But you're right, it wasn't easy.
1: George, when I came back, I thought we'd all work together. There's a place for you here, and I'll go on paying you the same salary. Huh. Oh. Wouldn't be much compared to what you've been making on the side, that is that it?
6: Business has been pretty good
1: up till now. Well, then, it's, it's all over. And this is goodbye. I'm sorry. No easy money for you, huh? Not when it's breaking the law. You can stay on here tonight, but in the morning, get those machines and dice tables together and get out.
6: They're not going any place, and neither am
1: I. But you're breaking the law. Tomorrow morning, I'm throwing out all that stuff.
6: Where are you going to throw it?
1: Out, anywhere. I, I don't know. I don't care where.
6: If you throw it outside and leave it, somebody will see it and talk to the police. If you try and have it moved out, I'll call them myself. Any way you look at it, they're going to want the owner of this place for gambling. And you're the owner.
1: George, you bought the stuff. I I didn't know anything about it. I don't even know where you got it. I've been away. I can prove that. I, you don't scare me.
6: In your name, I bought the stuff. And in your name, I ran the place. I'm just a hired man working here. They'll want the boss. And you're the boss, just like always.
1: Well, then you're closing down tomorrow. If I can't run a decent shop, I won't run any.
6: All right, close down. But if the police get a tip, they'll think all you do out here is gamble.
1: Oh, what's got into you, son? Two months ago, I gave you a job, and you were glad to get it. what's got into you anyway?
5: He found a way to make some money.
1: Yeah, a lot of money. The
6: take is good here. When I got your postcard, I thought I'd seen the last of you. I was going to pay you for the place and let it go at that. How about it? What's the price?
1: No price. I'm not selling it to you or anybody else. How about $15,000?
5: In cash?
6: Sure. Cash.
5: You haven't saved that much from this place in two months.
6: I'll get the money. Got about $8,000 now. A couple of months, I'll have the rest.
5: I wouldn't trust you for a three-cent stamp.
6: Never mind, Marie, honey.
1: Now, look, I'm not selling, George, and that's the end of it. And we're partners. Not in anything like this, we're not.
6: You'll like it fine when the money starts coming in.
1: I don't want anything to do with it.
6: Okay, you won't have anything to do with it. You take care of the lumber business. I'll handle the
1: rest. I told
5: you now, for the last time... Hey, right, listen, listen. We don't want any trouble with the police.
1: There isn't going to be any trouble with the police.
5: The way he tells it there is. He's got us over a barrel.
6: I've been clearing pretty near a thousand bucks a week. There isn't much I wouldn't do for that
5: kind of money. We better think it over, honey. We better think over what to do.
6: Well, I asked the idea. Think it over. Think it over, both of you. The minute I saw her, I knew that was the way I was going to have to play it I knew I wouldn't get far with him But with her, it was different There wasn't much I wouldn't do for that kind of money There wasn't anything she wouldn't do I knew I'd planted the seed, and I knew how it'd grow I knew how she'd go to work on him that night Almost as though I'd been in the room
5: Henry... What are you going to do about George?
1: Oh, I don't know, honey. He's a good man. He must be in with bad
5: crowd, that's all. Yeah, that's likely. He's played the angles so long they're round.
1: I, I like George. That's why I hired him. If he's in with the wrong bunch, oh, that's all right. He'll come out of it.
5: You going to let him go on gambling?
1: I don't know what to say. You said yourself he had Henry, to... Henry,
5: you could take him up on it. On what? His proposition. At least for a while. Oh, but I... You could pretend to.
1: Oh, no, I don't like that. Anyway, where would that get you?
5: It'd get you a 50-50 cut on $1,000 a week in the meantime.
1: No, Marie, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. You
5: heard what he said. He said he'd do anything for that kind of money.
1: Oh, he didn't mean anything... No.
5: I know what I'd do. I'd put a bullet in his head.
1: Oh, now, Marie, don't talk that way. That isn't even funny.
5: What are you going to do? Let him take over your business right out from under your nose. He's a gambler and a thief. Henry, if you called him on it, if you had it out with him and he started anything, it'd be self-defense. Why, no jury in the world would hold you on it.
1: What are you talking about?
5: I'm telling you.
1: Well, don't be silly. I'm certainly not going to do anything like that.
5: All right, all right, don't. See what happens.
1: I wish I knew what was going to happen.
5: Well, I'll tell you. You want to know? Oh, just let me
1: try to think, can't you? Think.
5: What do you suppose he's thinking about? Well, he said... I know what he said. Listen to me, Henry. It's him or you. Don't you see that? Freeze a crowd, that's what he's thinking about. Murder.
6: Yeah, I knew pretty much what they were talking about in there. I knew this dame pretty well. It only needed a day of knowing her to know that a word like murder was part of her natural-born vocabulary to know that she could cut a guy's throat and think no more of it than clipping one of her fingernails. I didn't know just then who was going to get murdered. I found out.
1: And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage our star, Ronald Reagan, with Kathy Lewis in One and One's a Lonesome. A tale well calculated to keep you in...
6: Suspense. The night after Henry and his new wife came home, I didn't open up the back room in the warehouse. I put in the new table and counted out the profits for the week. I took a fair share over to Grover, but he read negative all the way. When he turned down that money, Marie tried on a face she must have been saving for Jack the Ripper. She knew he wasn't going to change his mind she could see I was set to pocket big money on a four-hour schedule in the back room, while their take after 16 hours in the lumber yard would look like a piggy bank night before Christmas. I said goodnight and left them alone to what promised to be a rotten evening for both. I went over to the garage where I'd fixed myself up a little cot. I was mixing the paint we were using on the house the next day, but I hadn't been at it more than half an hour when I had a visitor. This is a surprise.
5: I, um, I broke my fingernail. Thought you might have a nail clipper. See it? Isn't it pretty? Yeah. Do you have one? What? A nail clipper. On your keychain, maybe?
6: Sure, here. Wait, let me do it for you. Hmm. Long and pointed. Like a pussycat.
5: They can scratch, too. Like them?
6: Sure. There you are. What'll I do with the victim?
5: Keep it for a souvenir. Do you mind my coming to see you?
6: Not if your husband doesn't.
5: He doesn't? No, I'm here.
6: He will if he thinks real hard.
5: I don't care. I wanted to see you.
6: Need more light?
5: No. No, this is fine. Henry's not strong, you know.
6: Well, he wasn't wearing a lion skin when you married him.
5: It all happened so fast, and I wanted to get out of that dance hall.
6: Oh, yeah, the dance hall. Well, that's the price of love. Or have you changed your mind?
5: Yeah, I changed my mind.
6: That's easy to do when it's all over.
5: Is it all over? You married him. He's not strong. Maybe something will happen to him.
6: Not likely. Nothing ever has.
5: I did. Don't you like me? Huh? I like you.
6: I like it here. I don't want to leave.
5: I don't want to go anywhere.
6: I don't want my head turning into a home for your husband's bullets.
5: This, the uh, paint you're using tomorrow?
6: Yeah. Your healthy husband and I.
5: Mm. Using ladders?
6: No, we'll swing a couple of platforms on pulleys with ropes. Why? Want to learn to paint?
5: No, thanks. I'm worried about Henry up on one of those things. He's not as strong as you are.
6: Yeah, I know.
5: Happened to fall off, he might be hurt.
6: If he fell on the cement drive, might break his neck.
5: That's right. Do the ropes ever break?
6: Not often enough to make the odds good for
5: betting. Could you make them break? Huh? Could you fix the ropes so they'd break when he got to the top?
6: Not on your life. I'm happy with my little racket. I'm not taking any chances killing anybody.
5: Then he'll kill you. Take your choice. How long do you think you'll watch that money going into your pocket? How long do you think you'll take that gambling? Keep talking. It'll be accidental, no murder at all. When he's dead, I get the warehouse and the house. You get me.
6: What's in it for you? You are? As simple as that.
5: And I'll take a cut on those backroom profits. Go on. Henry's been talking about paying the house. I got the idea when he told me about a fellow doing the same thing who fell and was killed. If anything like that ever happened to him, he said I wouldn't have to worry. Everything was taken care of.
6: Why do you cut me in?
5: I told you. Because I like you.
6: And because you couldn't cut me out.
5: Can you fix the rope so it'll break when you want it to?
6: No. But I could fix it so it would break. It'd have to be somebody else here, a witness, to see it was an accident.
5: I already thought of that. friend of his... Jim Brandon.
6: you figured every angle, haven't you?
5: You'll get your chance.
6: Okay. The rope will break.
5: Get it fixed up tonight?
6: Okay. Where will you leave it? There'll be two platforms. One for me, one for him. I'll take them both over to the house tonight before I go to bed.
5: Put the one for Henry by the office. Put yours by the house. Yeah? I don't want you to be around tomorrow when Henry and Brandon set him up. That way nobody can say that you had anything to do with it.
6: Don't worry. We won't have any trouble.
5: We better not. I'm risking a lot for you.
6: I won't forget it, baby.
5: Don't. This is what the movies call love. You like it?
6: I'm getting to like it. It's easy learning. I hope I won't have to forget.
5: I'll worry about that. Let's talk some more.
6: You got more to say?
5: hmm Lots more. Mm. Things are going to be different around here after tomorrow.
6: Yeah, that's right. Just you and me and the backroom gold mine.
5: Think we'll make you happy?
6: I'm willing to take a chance.
5: i better be getting back to the house.
6: Sure. It's Grover's last night.
5: Good night, Georgie. Don't disappoint me.
6: Is that hard?
5: Well, I had gloves with me when I came in here.
6: You did. Here they are.
5: Oh. Well?
6: I think I'll keep them. What's the idea? I want a souvenir.
5: I'm not going anywhere.
6: Maybe I'll tuck them under my pillow. This is what the movies call love. After she left, I sat there thinking... Those gloves didn't help me clear my head any. They smelt like the powder room in the Club Paris. I liked the way she handled Grover. Sure, the kid was bright. The plan looked surefire. With a payoff in fancy living written especially for happy homes. I strung together a couple of ropes and a pulley on two wooden boards and called it a platform. The next one took more time. I spent a few minutes burning the rope where it had rest on the pulley when the platform was up near the top. I pulled it apart a little with my fingers, made sure it wouldn't hold much weight for long. I fixed it just the way I wanted it. Then I slipped it through the pulley, anchored it on the boards, and had myself another platform, different from the first, but looking just the same. I put the good one by the house and the other next to the shop. By the time I was through, it was nearly daylight, and I lay down in the cot. The next thing I knew, she was shaking me.
5: Come on. Come on. Wake up. Come Uh, on. uh, They're ready to start.
1: Who? Who?
6: Him and his
5: pal are out there now waiting for you.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where are they?
5: Out in the yard. The platforms? Yeah, they've already got them set up.
6: Okay. It won't be long now, baby. Are you nervous? Sure. Like a sack of laundry.
5: Don't let me fool you. I'm scared when the time comes it won't work.
6: Forget it. That rope won't hold a 100 pounds five minutes. And anything that hits that concrete will be dead before you catch your breath.
5: How did you fix the rope?
6: I burned it. Nobody will notice it. I pulled it apart a little. It's just enough to hold it together while he's getting to the top.
5: We'll let Brandon pull you both up.
6: Nobody has to pull us both up. We can lift our own. There's a rope from the pulley that'll hoist her lower.
5: Okay. Come on.
6: A few minutes and you'll be the new owner around here. And I'll be talking about Mary and my boss.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Joe. A few minutes, things will be swell.
6: Which one of them picked up the rope by the shop?
5: Brandon, his pal.
6: Then it's on the right side of the drive. That's the bad one. Are you sure?
5: Sure. That's the one for Henry.
6: Wonder how long it takes to fall three stories. Three, maybe four seconds?
5: I don't know. When the rope breaks, you count it.
6: I'll be busy trying to look surprised. I want Brandon to go into town telling everybody about the accident we had out here.
5: Don't overdo it. You're no actor. I'll keep my eyes on you, baby.
6: That's a good idea. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a
1: habit for now. Hi, George. You bring the paint? Oh, yeah, Henry, right here. Oh, you know Jim Browning, don't you? Yeah, we met. Hiya, George. Hello, oh, Mr. Clover. Hello. Well, might as well get going. With all this waiting around, I've kind of lost the mood for painting. It's like
6: gambling, Henry. Once you begin, you feel like you never belong anywhere else. Yeah, uh, George,
1: uh, i got a couple of things I want to talk to
6: you Not about.
5: Now, Henry, you've been talking about nobody being ready to paint. Now we're all ready, so let's paint.
1: All right, all right. But when we finish, George, come over to the house. I want to talk with you.
6: Sure, Henry.
1: Maybe I was a little hasty last night. Right
6: after we get through, I'll be waiting for you.
1: <laughs> George must think he's a pretty fast painter. Gonna be all finished in the house before you get down over the platform, Henry. We'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> I've done my share of painting, too. You'll have to jump some to beat me, George. I guess you're right.
5: You two going to stand there all day?
1: That's right, Mrs. Grover. Neither of them can paint well enough to make this old place look any better. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I was telling Henry this morning, it's time he bought a new house for his pretty new wife.
5: Oh, thank you, Mr. Brandon. But as long as we have this house and the paint's right here, we may as well go ahead and paint, don't you think? Oh,
1: sure, sure. Oh, you're right, honey. Well, come on, George. Let's get going. Can I help you, Henry? No, thanks. We can pull ourselves up, can't we, George? Yeah, that's right.
5: Come on, let's uh, stand over here out of the way, Mr. Brandon. I want to watch.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Oh, uh, you ever that seen that house day. painting before?
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Never anything quite like this. Yeah? Well, they're pretty good at it.
1: Hey, this is kind of a rickety contraption.
5: Is it
2: going to hold?
1: Oh, sure, sure.
2: What
1: matter, George? You having trouble?
2: No, just watching.
1: Well? Now you've seen how it's done. You come on up in the sky.
2: Be right with you, Henry.
1: Say, Brandon, when I get to the top, will you tie this rope to the bucket of paint and pass it up? Right, Henry. Keep pulling, George. He's beating you up there. Hey, easy does it, George. That's no elevator. Don't worry about me. you got your own problems. Okay, Jim, pass up the paint. You ready to George? Hey! Hey, I think the rope was slipping on the pulley. I don't
6: feel anything. I don't see anything wrong with the pulley. It's breaking at the pulley! <laughs> like I told you, I'm on a trip, but it's no honeymoon. A couple of hours ago, 170 pounds of Henry Grover hit the cement driveway. Then I got the surprise of my life. It lasted just two seconds before I hit two. I thought I was as safe as a glass of water, but I was just another fall guy because both platforms gave way. I'd never thought of that angle. Two partners make more dough than three, but one owner without a partner makes the most. No, I didn't think of that, but I had thought of a couple of others just in case. The fingernail, for instance. They gave me maybe half a day to live. So I told it to them, the cops, almost the way it happened. And when I got through, I didn't even have to hint at those other couple of angles. They found it out all by themselves. And then they brought in Marie.
5: Oh, George. George. Doctor, is, is he? Willie... He...
6: Skip it, baby. They know all
5: about it. Know all about what?
1: My name is Williams, lieutenant, homicide.
5: Thomas:
1: These are he... your gloves, Mrs. Grover? Yes, they're mine. We found them in sort of a funny place. In the tool shed where all those painting platforms were fixed up.
5: Well, I don't see how that... that...
1: Did you know those ropes were burned and frayed? Somebody pulled them apart and burned them.
5: George did it. It was all his idea. He, sure, he, funny
1: he... guy wanted to bump himself off. Let me see your hands. Nice hands. Nice nails. One of them's broke off, huh? What of it? We found it. In the rope where somebody pulled it apart. We want you for murder.
6: Yeah, like I said, I'm going on a little trip any minute now, the doc says. But she'll be right behind me.
1: Suspense! Tonight's star, Ronald Reagan, with Kathy Lewis.
6: Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Ronald Reagan... in tonight's presentation of...
2: Suspense! Tonight, Autolite presents the story of a man... who wanted to apologize for threatening a stranger. And when he got there, the stranger was dead... and the police were waiting... It's called Circumstantial Terror. Our star, Mr. Ronald Reagan. And now, Autolite presents Circumstantial Terror, starring Mr. Ronald Reagan, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. I
6: wasn't the only one who was mad at him. All the other guys felt just about like I did. About Curly Weber, that is. You see, if he hadn't let the pressure go too high, we'd have all been in good shape right now. As it was, the boiler blew up and wrecked the cleaning plant where I worked. The owner collected the insurance money and got out of the business, which left us with no jobs. After a few months of looking around for a job, I was in a pretty bad way. Then I connected. Only trouble was, it wouldn't start for three weeks. By now, I was broke, irritable, and mad at the world. So I wasn't what you'd call a pleasant type fellow when I walked into this liquor store for a package of smokes about 11 o'clock one night.
4: So, what else could I do, Eddie? There I was with egg on my face and that phony salesman telling me I was gonna have to take what he gives me or get nothing at all.
1: What do you have to buy from him for?
4: His outfit has the distributor tied up. 25% of what I make... I make from his scotch.
6: i like a pack of cigarettes.
4: Hold your horses, mister. I got another customer. So, I check around town to see if maybe I can get the scotch somewhere else.
6: How'd you make that?
4: Go ahead. Take a guess.
6: Come on, mister. Get off the dime. Just give What's me a... What's the
4: matter with you? Ain't you got no manners?
6: Just give me a pack of cigarettes and stop shooting off your mouth.
4: Me shooting off my mouth? Look, buster. I got a pretty good trade right now, so why don't you take your two-bit sale somewhere else? I don't even like the way you look.
6: Listen, smart guy. I've taken a lot of lip from guys like you in the last few months. One more crack out of you and I'll smear you all over the joint. Do you hear? All right, mister. All right. Take it easy. Sam don't mean no harm. That's just the way he talks. Then let him talk to somebody else like that. Hey, Why don't you give
4: me cigarettes, Sam? We can talk some more after he leaves. Mm, okay. What kind do you want, mister?
6: I don't want any kind. I just want you to remember something. Next time you see me, you'd better cross over to the other side of the street. It'll be healthier for you. Remember that. I went back to my room and poured myself a drink. No doubt about it, I'd acted like a fool. But four months of being unemployed didn't exactly develop an even temper. It was a half hour before I realized I still hadn't got any cigarettes, and another 15 minutes before I could talk myself into going back to the liquor store to apologize for losing my temper. The street was dark, and the only light on the whole block came from the glowing window of the liquor store. I still wasn't sure what I was going to say to Sam when I got there, but I knew I'd fix everything up all right. I'd gotten within about a hundred feet of the store when I noticed a black or what seemed to be black coupe parked in front of the store. Just about the time I noticed it, I heard a shot. It seemed to come from the direction of the store. I stopped for a second. Then a guy rushed out of the store right in front of me, jumped into the car, and before I could do anything, it roared down the darkened street out of sight. I ran to the store and looked in. Nobody around. Then I looked behind the counter. The guy I'd argued with, Sam, was on the deck. I could tell right away that it was a waste of time to check his pulse, but I did it anyway. He was dead, all right. Then I started for the door to call the cops.
4: Hey, what's going on?
6: Oh, what did oh, I oh. tell you, Irv? I saw who did it. He ran out the door as I was coming up the
4: street. Come on.
1: Grab him, Irv. He did it. That's the guy I was telling you about. Come on, buddy.
4: Let go. I tell you, I oh, didn't yeah. do it.
1: I didn't do it. I Irv. saw the guy that did let go. Hold yeah. right. on, Irv. All right, well. That's the guy Sam had to throw out of the store. He yeah. was casing the joint. That's hey. what he was doing. Hey. Let go
4: of him. Hold him good, Irv. I'm going for the cop. Don't worry. He ain't going nowhere.
6: As I was getting up to go after the police, these two guys rush in and hold me. I didn't do it, I tell you.
4: He's lying, officer. We'll find out if he's lying when the guys from Homicide get here.
6: I don't even own a gun.
1: That gun laying by Sam's body is Sam's gun. Looks to me like this guy shot him with his
4: own gun. If you don't shut your mouth... Easy does it.
6: What happens when the guys from Homicide get here? You want my honest opinion, mister? Yeah, sure.
2: I didn't put the cuffs on you for laughs. I think you've had it, buddy. It's only an opinion, but from what I can see here, and what I've gotten from these witnesses, you're nailed, buddy. Nailed Nailed good.
6: was. By the time it was presented to the grand jury, the state had a real good case prepared against me. The liquor store owner's gun only had his prints on it, which made it look as if I'd tried a phony hold up and jumped him when he drew it. And there was money scattered all over the store, which made it look as if I'd been surprised before I had a chance to get away. That guy, Eddie, who'd been in the store when I had my argument, wouldn't let me up. He pounded nails in my coffin every time he opened his mouth. I'd had a job when all this happened that had trouble giving me a motive. And being broke and unemployed made it look that much worse. As a result, I wasn't surprised when the grand jury came through with an indictment for first-degree murder. As far as I was concerned, it was all over but the hanging.
4: Now, how are you? You, uh, Frank Thompson?
6: Right now, I wish I weren't, but I am. Who are you?
4: I'm Ernest Gibbons. I've been assigned as public defender in your case.
6: You're wasting your time.
4: (laughs) Why? Are you guilty? No, I'm not. Well, then I'm not wasting my time. Mind if I sit down? Go ahead. Well, I think I got most of the facts straight in my mind. Now, I want you to tell me in your own words what happened.
6: Did you read the transcript of the inquest?
4: Yes, I did. That's all there is to it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, look, Frank, I'm here to help you if I can. Now, don't make it tough for me. I think we can beat this if you help me. How? Well, first, let's forget that story about running in after the storekeeper was shot. Now, nobody believes that.
6: Would you believe it if I tell it to you again? Should I? Yes, because it's the truth.
4: Well, can you describe the man you saw running out? More or less. Well, what do you mean by more or less?
6: Well, I got a pretty good look at his face, he had a mustache. I couldn't tell you how tall he was or how much he weighed. It seemed to me to be just medium all around.
4: Uh, well, you said at the inquest that he got in a car and he drove. Now, can you describe the car? It's a black coupe. And what year? Don't know. Mm-hmm. How about the make?
6: I couldn't tell. It was too dark.
4: Mm-hmm. The license number. All or any part of the license number?
6: None of it. All his lights were out.
4: Uh-huh. In other words, if you wanted to lie, this would be a pretty good way of blaming someone the police couldn't possibly track down, wouldn't
6: it? I guess so. But I'm not lying.
4: All right, now let's see. The state has set the trial for a week from today. In
6: a hurry, aren't they? <laughs>
4: well, I guess they figure that they've got you sewed up. The papers have public opinion running pretty high against you. You know, the man left a wife and three little kids. Well, that's tough. Real tough. Mm-hmm.
6: It was a couple of days later that Ernie came to me and said they were selecting the jurors who'd hear the case. This was a part of the law I didn't know a thing about, so... When he said I had a right to sit in on the selection, I went along, only to get out of the cell for a few hours.
4: Well, to put it simply, it's more of an interview than anything else. It also gives us a chance to get jurors we think might be more easily swayed through our way of thinking.
6: I'm to the point where I don't care much one way or another. I just wanted to get out of the cell for a little while. Maybe I'd be better off if I just plead guilty and get it over with. Oh,
4: now you're talking foolish, boy. There's a lot that can happen in the next couple of weeks.
6: Yeah, it's all going to happen to me.
4: <laughs> Some of it might be good, you know.
6: Don't hold your
4: breath. Yeah, right. well, over here, Frank. You sit down, right? There. Okay. Down. I'm going to try to get as many women as I can on the jury. You're a pretty good-looking boy. It helps sometimes. What about the prosecution? Don't they have anything to say about it? Well, I doubt if they challenge more than once or twice. Now, they think they have such a strong case, it doesn't matter much to them who's on the jury. They're right, too, aren't they? That remains to be seen. Mm. Uh Oh, here they come.
6: Yeah. Right now, I'd trade places with any given one of them.
4: I don't think you'd get any takers. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, not as many women as I'd like to have seen. Ernie. Ernie. What's up, Bella? The guy with the gray suit. Where? Over there, next to the dame with the fur coat. Oh, yeah. Well, what about him? Don't challenge him. What?
6: Don't challenge him. That's the guy. What guy? That's the guy that killed the shopkeeper. That's the guy I saw running out of the store that night. Get him on the jury. Don't let him get away. I don't want to die for what he did.
2: Is bringing you Mr. Ronald Reagan in Circumstantial Terror, tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Ronald Reagan in Elliot Lewis's production of Circumstantial Terror. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
6: It was tough sitting through the selection of the jury, especially when I knew that the prosecution could, for no apparent reason, disqualify the man I'd pointed out to Ernie. If he was the man I'd seen run out of the liquor store the night of the shooting, then he had to be where we could keep tabs on him. Ernie sacrificed a couple of his limited number of preemptory challenges just to make sure the guy came up for selection. When he did, there was no objection on either side, and we had him. Later that afternoon, when Ernie came to my cell, we tried to figure out what we were going to do with him.
4: Well, now that we've got him, uh, what are we going to do with him?
6: That's well, it's your job to figure out, Ernie. You're the lawyer.
4: We're no better off now than we were at the beginning. We haven't got a shrewd of evidence to substantiate your claim. I saw him. Isn't that enough? Well, you're on trial, not him. Well, supposing I get up in court and say he's the man, what would happen? He'd probably declared a mistrial and discharge the jury. and go to work on another trial, but you'd stay in jail. Wouldn't they question him? Maybe. It was pretty obvious he'd say you were off your rocker. Remember, Frank, you're the one who's accused. Defending yourself by accusing him just on your say-so is pretty flimsy. Who'd believe it, would you? Well, couldn't you do it? Couldn't you tell someone? Proof, Frank. Proof? What can I possibly do but quote you? What am I going to do? Just what we're doing. Go through with this trial. Then I'll appeal, no matter what the verdict is, and see if we can rope our friend into making a mistake. But he'll duck as soon as the trial's over, won't Probably, he? but at least uh, he'll be around while the trial is on. Now, if you cause a mistrial... He'll be gone a lot faster. It isn't fair. I know he's This is man. a court of law. The burden of proof is on the accuser. What real proof have they got against me? They don't have to catch a man in the act of murder to convict him of it. Circumstantial evidence can be strong enough. And, and in your case, it seems to be.
6: It's driving me nuts to think that this guy's going to help send me away for a murder he committed. Yeah, well, they haven't sensed you yet, boy. Let's see what happens. And if it does happen?
4: Maybe we'll have something I can use to ask for a new trial. If we get into trouble.
6: Where's the trial going to be?
4: Well, Judge Thurston will preside, I think. Let me see. That'll put it in the uh, City Hall Annex. Where's that? In the Annex. That's a small building on the north side of the City Hall. That's uh, next to the parking lot. Why?
6: Just asking that all. So.
4: Frank. Yeah? Don't try any grandstand plays. Any tangle with the jury might result in a mistrial. And I don't think that's a good idea.
6: Okay. I won't mess with them. That's good.
4: Well, I gotta get going. Going home? I guess so.
6: Tell me something, Ernie. Sure. Well, what do you want to know? What are my
4: chances, Ernie? And don't kid me. I wouldn't kid you, Frank. I, I don't know right now, but uh, I'd sure be lying if I said they were good. Thanks. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs>
6: That's what I liked about Ernie. When he asked for the truth, he gave it to you. After he left, I lay back in my cot and thought about the whole mess. Everything had happened so fast, I really hadn't had time to take stock of my position. Now I did. And what I came up with made me want to beat my brains out against the steel bars out of sheer frustration. It wasn't anybody's fault if you discounted the guy that actually did the killing. I didn't have any beef with the law or the people who were carrying out the law. It was just that they didn't know they were going to convict an innocent man. hours I guess I lay there thinking about ways to clear myself. Most of the ways were more daydreaming than anything else. I finally came up with the conclusion that anything I did was going to have to really go from the time I started it. There wouldn't be time for talk or reason. In the morning I got dressed and ready for the first day of the trial. When I got to the courtroom I was seated beside Ernie. Then came the time when papers were being shuffled and everyone was getting set for the opening arguments.
4: Well, then you take it easy, Frank. We're going to fight real hard.
6: You know what a backfire is?
4: You mean like when a car... No,
6: I mean like when you're caught in a bad brush fire without any water.
4: I'm not with you, kid. Uh, What are you going for?
6: You light another fire downwind, let it give you a big burn spot to stand in while the main fire goes past. You explain
4: it to me later, Frank. The judge will be here in a minute or two, and I want to get my papers straightened here. (laughs) He doesn't like to see an unprepared attorney. Listen to me, Ernie.
6: I'm in the path of a real big fire
4: right now. I know you are, boy. I know, but what... So I got to
6: try a backfire. A guy can get killed in a backfire, but at least you got to take a yes, chance. Well, what are you
4: trying to tell me? But now, say it fast, because
6: You will check... hear from me. Stick with me, Ernie. I'm a pretty good guy, but I'm in real bad trouble. And I'm the only guy that can get me out of it.
4: Well, what are you going to do? This.
1: Hey, look out! He's making a break!
4: Get out of my way!
6: the only thing I could do. I couldn't sit by while 12 people tried to make up their minds whether I must die for a murder I didn't commit. As I went out the window, I folded my arms in front of my face to keep from being cut to ribbons with a broken glass. I lit feet first in the parking lot and started running. I didn't know where I was going. All I knew was I had to get away fast. By the time everyone got organized, I'd pretty well lost myself in the alleys of the city. I got to a place where they were putting up an office building and ducked into the sub-basement, crawled into a corner and stayed there. Somewhere around midnight, I slid out and started for the only guy in town I knew wouldn't turn me in as soon as he saw me Ernie Gibbons. When I got there, his place had a light on in the kitchen, so I went around the back.
4: Hi, Ernie. What? Let me in. Well, well, well come on, Harry. What are you doing here? If they find out about this, I'll be disbarred.
6: I won't stay long.
4: Wait till I turn the light off. Now sit right there, Frank. And don't move around too much.
6: Thanks. Okay. Tell me why you did it. I told you this morning in court. This is my backfire. I couldn't just stand around while they made up their minds whether to kill me or let me rot in jail. I didn't do it. I'm going to get the guy that did. Oh, then they'll really have you and they'll have me for something I did, not something I didn't do. Well, why'd you come here? I need an address. An address you mean? The guy with the mustache?
4: Yeah. Got anything on him? He
6: isn't around, Frank. How do you know?
4: By the time I got through with the mess you left behind, it was pretty late in the day. What are you talking about? Just this. We knew he'd duck out as soon as the trial was over. But during the trial, we might have been able to work something. That's why I warned you about causing a mistrial. Well, this afternoon I went over to the address he'd given And he moved out a few hours after your break.
6: Any forwarding address? Ah, don't
4: be so naive. The man is a murderer. I don't think he knows you saw him running out of the store, but he isn't taking any chances. He's lost, Frank. And you're in a bigger jam than before. What do I do now? Oh, yes, you tell me.
6: I won't give myself... Well, that's
4: up to you. You're on your own now. What's your position in this? They should turn you in. But you won't. Oh, you're a cinch. They have the book thrown at you when they get you. I gotta think. Yeah, sure.
6: Ernie, do something for me, will you? I might. What is it? I'm a pretty hungry man. Could you rustle me up some food? Oh, sure, Frank. I'll
4: fix you some food.
6: Ernie. Yes? What about that witness that claims he saw me casing the place, that Eddie character?
4: Yeah, well, what about him?
6: He's the state's number one witness, isn't he? Well, I guess so. What's he got against me? Why is he trying so hard to get me?
4: Well, I think that for the first time in his life, he's somebody and he's going all out to prove it. I'm going to see him. No, no, you're not. You're in enough trouble. Lay off him.
6: Give me his address, Ernie.
4: Well, you're out of your mind.
6: Give me his address. I want to talk to him. Oh, but Frank... I know you've got it. You've got the addresses of all the witnesses. Get it.
4: Okay. It's here in my briefcase. Hey. What? Well, that's funny. I, I never noticed this before. Noticed what? What are you mumbling about? The witness against you lives right over the liquor store where the guy was shot.
6: Ernie. Yeah? Just a thought. But he's the fellow that accused me of casing the shop. Suppose it was the other way around. Suppose he was
4: casing it for our friend with the mustache. Well, you'd have to prove a connection between the two men. But... So how are you going to do that?
6: I don't know. I'll figure that out when I get there. Oh, I can't let you do that, Frank. Don't try to stop me.
4: Well, you could get picked up on the way there.
6: I'll be there in a but few it's minutes. It's
4: three or four miles from here.
6: You're lending me your car. I am? Yeah. Give me the keys.
4: Okay. Right.
6: Here. So long, Ernie. I wish I could stop you. Because Don't I... try it. I wouldn't want to hurt you.
4: Oh, well, thank you. So long. <laughs>
6: Eddie Wilson, come on, open up.
1: I don't know any...
6: But you know me, Eddie. Thompson! That's right, Frank Thompson, fall guy.
1: What do you want from me?
6: I want to know why you're so anxious to see me burn.
1: You tried to hold Sam up and killed him, that's why. You
6: know better than that. I do? What other reason would I have?
2: Hold
4: it down to a roar, Eddie. I gotta get some sleep.
6: Come on in, mister. You with the mustache. Thompson. Yeah, that's what Eddie said when he saw me. All right, Eddie, what's this guy doing here?
1: He's, uh, he's my brother, but it don't mean... Cozy,
6: huh? One guy in a witness box and one guy in a jury. You really got it made.
2: Yeah. What are you going to do about it?
6: Make you tell the truth.
2: What are you talking about?
6: Why'd you kill him? Need the money? Get out of here. After you write me a confession. So I can burn instead of you? That's right. You're wasting your time. Am I?
1: Get the cops, Eddie! Now!
6: Get up, you. Am I wasting my time? Am I? I don't write nothing. You won't. Okay. Okay, Now, Start writing. you come the cops. You're dead. No, mister, you are. If the cops get here before you finish writing, I'll kill you. I'm going to fry for something you did. I'm going to be sure you go with me. Now make up your mind. Do you want to die right now or take a chance with a jury?
2: Okay. Give me a pen.
4: You understand why I sent for the cops, Frank? I didn't want you to get in any more trouble. Oh, sure, that's all right. <laughs> well, how's it feel?
6: Mighty good. It's a pretty town when you don't have to look at it from behind steel bars.
4: Yeah. What are you going to do now?
6: It looks like I'll be able to make that job I told you about. Only a few more days to wait.
4: Where will you be staying? I don't know. You got any money?
6: Enough.
4: You got any money? No. Then it's settled. you will stay with us until you get on your feet.
6: All right. <laughs> you heard me. Okay. Lend me a quarter. <laughs> sure. What for? How to buy a pack of cigarettes from a machine.
3: enjoyed that please check out the riley and kimmy show for archived podcasts interviews old-time radio shows videos and photos all available at rileyandkimmy.com we're asking for your help right now the spacey awards are looking for the best podcast you can place your vote for best podcast and we hope it's the riley and kimmy show You can vote for us by going to our website, which is
0: RileyandKimmy.com.
3: And our Facebook page. We have a link to that uh, voting process. And remember, it's more than just liking our Facebook page that will get a vote. You have to actually click on. The little bubble. Yes, for our name. Mm -hmm. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Please vote for us. We would like to thank you in advance for doing so. And we ask just one thing. Please share that with at least two people who will vote and ask them to pass it on to two more who will vote for us as well. That's the Spacey Awards. And you can find out more how to vote right on our website and our Facebook page. Link to our Facebook page is available right on our website, which is
0: Riley and The Riley and Kimmy show.